Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 5 to 6 and in the previous episode we read chapters 3 to 4. And so far until this point in the episode we've been looking at the um, perspective of Hazel and the rest of the group that, other than Annabeth and Percy. And seeing how they're holding up with, you know, two of their members now in Tartarus at the moment. So we're gonna have to see how the rest of this fares. Uh, so right as of right now, it's been a little bit tense among the group because they're not really sure how to keep together because it was rather, it was only Percy and Annabeth that acted as the glue between the group. And when that glue fell out, it, they're all kind of a little tiny bit jumbled and not having too much unity and knowing what to do exactly. So we've seen that, that, that side and how they're holding up, but now we're going to also start reading Annabeth's perspective, Annabeth and Percy, and seeing how they're holding up in one of the worst, in probably one of the worst places I've known to existence, which is Tartarus, and hopefully seeing through that they are able, able to reach the other side of the doors of death. Now, we are going to be reading chapters 5 and 6. They will be pretty short, but we do have a lot of shoutouts and questions that I also do want to get to. So, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. So, now we're going to read chapter 5, Annabeth. Nine days. As she fell, Annabeth thought about Hesiod, the old Greek poet, who'd speculated it would take nine days to fall from Earth to Tartarus. She hoped Hesiod was wrong. She'd lost track of how long she and Percy had been falling. Hours? A day? It felt like an eternity. They'd been holding hands ever since they dropped into the chasm. Now Percy pulled her close, hugging her tight as they tumbled through absolute darkness. Wind whistled in Annabeth's ears. The air grew hotter and damper as if they were plummeting into the throat of a massive dragon. Her recently broken ankle throbbed, though she couldn't tell if it was still wrapped in spiderwebs. That cursed monster Arachne, despite having been trapped in her own webbing, smashed by a car and plunged into Tartarus, the spider lady had gotten her revenge. Somehow her silk had entangled Annabeth's leg and dragged her over the side of the pit, with Percy in tow. Annabeth couldn't imagine that Arachne was still alive. Somewhere below them in the darkness, she didn't want to meet that monster again when they reached the bottom. On the bright side, assuming there was a bottom, Annabeth and Percy would probably be flattened on impact, so giant spiders were the least of their worries. She wrapped her arms around Percy and tried not to sob. She never expected her life to be easy. Most demigods died young at the hands of terrible monsters. That was the way it had been since ancient times. The Greeks invented tragedy. They knew that greatest heroes didn't get happy endings. Still, this wasn't fair. She'd gone so much to retrieve that statue of Athena just when she'd succeeded, when things had been looking up and she'd been reunited with Percy, they had plunged to their deaths. Even the gods couldn't devise a faith so twisted. But Gaia wasn't like the other gods. The Earth Mother was older, more vicious, more bloodthirsty. Ambeth could imagine her laughing as they fell into the depths. Ambeth pressed her lips to Percy's ear. I love you. She wasn't sure he could hear her, but if they were going to die, she wanted those to be her last words. She tried desperately to think of a plan to save them. She was the daughter of Athena. She'd proven herself in the tunnels under Rome, being a whole series of challenges with only her wits. But she couldn't think of any way to reverse them, or even slow their fall. 
Neither of them had the power to fly. Not like Jason, who could control the wind, or Frank, who could turn into a winged animal. If they reached the bottom at terminal velocity, she knew enough science to know it would be terminal. She was seriously wondering whether they could fashion a parachute out of their shirts. That's how desperate she was. When something about their surroundings changed, the darkness took on a gray-red tinge. She realized she could see Percy's hair as she hugged him. The whistling in her ears turned into more of a roar. The air became intolerably hot, hot, permeated with a smell like rotten eggs. Suddenly, the chute they'd been falling through opened into a vast cavern. Maybe half a mile below them, Ambeth could see the bottom. For a moment, she was too stunned to think properly. The entire island of Manhattan could have fit inside this cavern, and she you couldn't even see its full extent. Red clouds hung in the air like vaporized blood. The landscape, at least what she couldn't see of it, was rocky black plains punctuated by jaggy mountains and fiery chasms. To Annabeth's left, the ground dropped off in a series of cliffs, like colossal steps leading deeper into the abyss. The stench of sulfur made it hard to concentrate, but she focused on the ground directly below them and saw a ribbon of glittering black liquid. A river. Percy! She yelled in his ear. Water! She gestured frantically. Percy's face was hard to read in the dim red light. He looked shell-shocked and terrified, but he nodded as if he understood. Percy could control water, assuming that was water below them. He might be able to cushion their fall somehow. Of course, Annabeth had heard horrible stories about the rivers of the underworld. They could take away your memories or burn your body and soul to ashes, but she decided not to think about that. This was their only chance. The river hurtled toward them. At the last second, Percy yelled defiantly. The water erupted in a massive geyser and swallowed them whole. That's the end of chapter five. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty short, but I think we got a pretty good idea of what exactly now we're going into exactly what happened moments later after they fell into that pit and it's already getting a bit fascinating just at first glance you know seeing how Annabeth and Percy are falling through this what seems like an eternal abyss but somehow it's also like a punishment like they're continuing to fall that they're getting they have each other but they don't know how much that's going to last for. They have that fear in the back of their head that this it may truly be the end for them. So I think that that reflection for Annabeth is something really important that we need that we should note on is that after all this time, after all the difficulties that Annabeth has faced, after everything that Annabeth has gone through, it's it's moments like this where it makes you feel like you're 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 done. You know, you just want to give up. You've put your effort into everything. You've put your effort into trying to, you know, overcome some of the biggest obstacles. But it's the smallest things that can just push you over the edge and just make you go, you know, just just be really, really upset. Or just th- have a long, deep reflection about. So I think that... The fact that she was just falling eternally gave her some time not only to think but to just kind of lose hope in it a little bit because she's like this is never gonna end for me and i think that's what exactly happened to luke luke essentially realized that as he continued to fight as he continued to be a demigod he realized that there was no end to this and maybe that's also what pushed him over the edge that's what pushed him 
to help Kronos because he was tired of being stuck fighting again and again like a repetitive cycle. There's no break to when these demigods are able to at least have some time to rest or at least have some time to just enjoy life, but they don't get to enjoy life. So I think that this chapter, although short, it provided a lot of meaning towards Annabeth and her character and maybe helps us understand the purpose of a demigod in general. So yeah, after this break, we're going to read chapter uh, chapter 6, finish it out, and then we're going to move on to our shoutouts and our questions. So stay tuned. And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter 6, Annabeth. The impact didn't kill her, but the cold nearly did. Freezing water shocked the air right out of her lungs. Her limbs turned rigid and she lost her grip on Percy. She began to sink. Strange wailing sounds filled her ears. Millions of heartbroken voices, as if the river were made of distilled sadness. The voices were worse than the cold. They weighed her down and made her numb. What's the point of struggling? They told her, you're dead anyway. You'll never leave this place. She could sink to the bottom and drown, let the river carry her body away. That would be easier. She just closed her eyes. She could just close her eyes. Percy gripped her hand and jolted her back to reality. She couldn't see him in the murky water, but suddenly she didn't want to die. Together, they kicked upward and broke the surface. Annabeth gasped, grateful for the air, no matter how sulfurous. The water swirled around them and she realized Percy was creating a whirlpool to buoy them up. Though she couldn't make out of their surroundings, she knew this was a river. Rivers had shores. Land, she croaked. Go sideways. Percy looked near dead with exhaustion. Usually water reinvigorated him, but not this water. Controlling it must have taken every bit of his strength. The whirlpool began to dissipate. Annabeth hooked one arm on his, around his waist and struggled across the current. The river worked against her, thousands of weeping voices whispering in her ears, getting inside her brain. Life is despair, they said. Everything is pointless and then you die. Pointless, Percy murmured. His teeth chattered from the cold. He stopped swimming and began to sink. Percy, she shrieked. The river is messing with your head. It's the Cossetus, the river of lamentation. It's made of pure misery. Misery, he agreed. Fight it! She kicked and struggled, trying to keep both of them afloat. Another cosmic joke for Gaia to laugh at. <laughs> Annabeth dies trying to keep her boyfriend, the son of Poseidon, from drowning. Not gonna happen, you hag, Annabeth thought. She hugged Percy tighter and kissed him. Tell me about New Rome, she demanded. What were your plans for us? New Rome. For us. Yes, seaweed brain. You said we could have a future there. Tell me. Ambeth had never wanted to leave Camp Half-Flood. It was the only real home she'd ever known. But days ago on the Ark of the Second, Percy had told her that he imagined a future for the two of them among the Roman demigods in their city of New Rome. Veterans of the Legion could settle down safely, go to college, get married, even have kids. Architecture, Percy murmured. The fog started to clear from his eyes. Thought you liked the houses, the parks, 
There's one street with all these cool fountains. Abbott started making progress against the current. Her limbs felt like bags of wet sand, but Percy was helping her now. She could see the dark line of the shore about a stone's throw away. College, she gasped. Could we go there together? Yeah, he agreed a little more confidently. What would you study, Percy? Uh, I don't know, he admitted. Marine science, she suggested. Oceanography? Surfing, he asked. She laughed, and the sound sent a shock wave through the water. The wailing faded to background noise. Annabeth wondered if anyone had ever laughed in Tartarus before. Just this pure, simple laugh of pleasure. She doubted it. She used the last of her strength to reach the riverbank. Her feet dug into the sand bo- sandy bottom. She and Percy hauled themselves ash- ashore, shivering and gasping, and collapsed on the dark sand. Ameth wanted to curl up next to Percy and go to sleep. She wanted to shut her eyes, hope all of this was just a bad dream, and wake up to find herself back on the Argo II, safe with her friends. Well, as safe as a demigod can ever be. But no. They were really in Tartarus. At their feet, the river Cossetus roared past. A flood of liquid wretchedness. The sulfurous air stung Annabeth's lungs and prickled her skin. When she looked at her arms, she saw that they were already covered with an angry rash. She tried to sit up and gasped in pain. The beach wasn't sand. They were sitting on a field of jagged black glass chips, some of which were now embedded in Annabeth's palms. So the air was acid, the water was misery, the ground was broken glass. Everything here was designed to hurt and kill. Annabeth took a rattling breath and wondered if the voices in the Cossetus were right. Maybe fighting for survival was pointless. They would be dead within the hour. Next year, Percy coughed. <laughs> this place smells like my ex-stepfather. Annabeth managed a weak smile. She'd never met Smelly Gabe, but she'd heard enough stories. She loved Percy for trying to lift her spirits. If she'd fallen into Tartarus by herself, Annabeth thought, she would have been doomed. After all she'd been through beneath Rome, finding the Athena Parthenos, this was simply too much. She would have curled up and cried until she became another ghost, melting into the Cossetus. But she wasn't alone. She had Percy, and that meant she couldn't give up. She forced herself to take stock. Her foot was still wrapped in its makeshift cast of board and bubble wrap, still tangled in cobwebs, but when she moved it, it didn't hurt. The ambrosia she'd eaten in the tunnels under Rome must have finally mended her bones. Her backpack was gone, lost during the fall or maybe washed away in the river. She hated losing Daedalus' laptop with all its fantastic programs and data, but she had worse problems. Her celestial bronze dagger was missing, the weapon she'd carried since she was seven years old. The realization almost broke her, but she couldn't let herself dwell on it. Time to grieve later. What else did they have? No food. No water. Basically, no supplies at all. Yep. Off to a promising start. Ameth glanced at Percy. He looked pretty bad. His dark hair was plastered across his forehead. His t-shirt ripped to shreds. His fingers were scraped raw from holding onto that ledge before they fell. Most worrisome of all, he was shivering and his lips were blue. We should keep moving or we'll get hypothermia. Annabeth said, can you stand? He nodded. They both struggled to their feet. 
Ameth put her arm around his waist, though she wasn't sure who was supporting whom. She scanned their surroundings. Above, she saw no sign of the tunnel that they'd fallen down. She couldn't even see the cavern roof. Just blood-colored clouds floating in the hazy gray air. It was like staring through a thin mix of tomato soup and cement. The black glass beach stretched inland about 50 yards, then dropped off the edge of a cliff. From where she stood, Annabeth couldn't see what was below, but the edge flickered with red light, as if illuminated by huge fires. A distant memory tugged at her. Something about Tartarus and fire. Before she could think too much about it, Percy inhaled sharply. Look, he pointed downstream. A hundred feet away, a familiar-looking baby blue Italian car had crashed headfirst into the sand. It looked just like the Fiat that had smashed into Arachnean center, plummeting into the pit. Ambeth hoped she was wrong, but how many Italian sports cars could there be in Tartarus? Part of her didn't want to go anywhere near it, but she had to find out. She gripped Percy's hand and they stumbled toward the wreckage. One of the car's tires had come off and was floating in a backwater eddy of the Cossetus. The Fiat's windows had shattered, sending brighter glass like frosting across the dark beach. Under the crushed hood lay the tattered, glistening remains of a giant silk cocoon, the trap that Annabeth had tricked Arachne into weaving. It was unmistakably empty. Slash marks in the sand made a trail downriver, as if something heavy with multiple legs had scuttled into the darkness. She's alive. Annabeth was so horrified, so outraged by the unfairness of it all. She had to suppress the urge to throw up. It's Tartarus, Percy said. Monster home court. Down here, maybe they can't be killed. He gave Annabeth an embarrassed look, as of realizing he wasn't helping team morale. Or maybe she's badly wounded and she crawled away to die. Let's go with that, Annabeth said, agreed. Percy was still shivering. Annabeth wasn't feeling any warmer either, despite the hot, sticky air. The glass cuts on her hand were still bleeding, which was unusual for her. Normally, she healed fast. Her breathing got more and more labored. This place is killing us, she said. I mean, it's literally going to kill us unless... Tartarus. Fire. That distant memory came into focus. She gazed inland toward the cliff, illuminated by flames from below. It was an absolutely crazy idea, but it might be their only chance. Unless what? Percy prompted. You've got a brilliant plan, haven't you? It's a plan, Annabeth murmured. I don't know about brilliant. We need to find the river of fire. And that's the end of chapter six. So it was a pretty short chapter, but once again, I think that it did the exact same meaningful job that the previous chapter did. And it's really showing how much these demigods really have to go through on a daily basis it's that every single day they have to worry about what monster is going to kill them or what quest they have to go on and it's not up to them it's not up to you know them to decide so i think that when annabeth saw new rome before then she thought that she'd just have to be fighting demigods her entire life but it's that's not it there's more to that once you reach a certain age you can stay in new rome and you can just have a family there enjoy life don't not not worry about monsters or anything so i think that's what's keeping her alive along with being with percy i think those two factors are what's really keeping her alive otherwise she would have probably just as she said in the book crawled up in a corner and cried and just let 
the, the just let Tartarus eat her away. And I think that that's what every demigod is feeling. Every day they have to go out and fight a monster, even when they're tired, even when they're exhausted. They don't have a choice and they have to continue fighting these monsters. So I think that what Annabeth and the rest of these demigods have as their motivation is truly admiring because the way that they're able to get through everything, the way that they're still fighting as if they still have enough energy to do so, it's just amazing. And I think that that's something that's that should be applicable in life as well, that there's nothing that can be so bad that it just pushes you down, that it pushes you to give up. And if you ever do get to that point, just think of the happy moments in life. Think of what life can offer if you look at the happier side as well. So yeah, I think it definitely taught us a couple of meaningful things. But but yeah, so moving on to, I'm assuming y'all's favorite, you guys' favorite um, uh, part of the episode is shoutouts. So let's move on to shoutouts. We have... Alexis, Olaf of Cringe the Third, Alex, Zuza, Pixel, Austin Taylor, Owens, Rose, Finn, PJ, Blancamond, Annie, and Rachel Elizabeth there. So if you guys if I missed anybody, do please let me know in this episode and I will be sure to make sure you guys are shouted out or try my best. And now moving on to the questions. Uh, who is my fa- Greek, favorite Greek or Roman demigod? I'm going to say that I I think I love this god no matter what form they're in. And it has to be Dionysus or Bacchus. Simply, I think you may all know from the previous Q&As that I love comedic relief. I love the ones that put a little humor into the book and are able to bring the light into even the darkest of situations. And I think that Dionysus is one of those people that, yes, he may mess up some of the demigods' names and whatnot, but it's funny in the process. I think he's, in a way, enlightening the demigods to rather think about the fact that he messed up their name than what monster they're going to get killed by next. So I think that, in a way, the things he does are also is not only funny, but also extremely thoughtful. So that's why I chose Dionysus. Uh, my favorite demigod is Leo, uh, mainly because, you know, again, the comedic relief, as well as I mainly, it. I think the fact that, you know, he's uh, he's kind of third wheeling every single situation, considering the fact that the entire group is basically a couple. I think that the fact that Leo is able to stay through all of that, I think he's he's if he can do it, you know, it's it's. If he can get through something like that, it's it's very mo- motivating to to all of us, to say the least. But, yeah. Uh, favorite weapon of choice? I would probably have to say the bow and arrow. Uh, reason is, I just, I think I just love the momentum and motion of it. I, whenever I see someone use a bow and arrow, or whenever, you know, I read about the bow and arrows in this book, I, I just... I'm amazed by them. They're just, they can do so much. They're versatile and long distance, long distance, short distance, you name it. They're, they're good for anything. So I think that that's really what I enjoy. Um, next one is, am I reading the Apollo's trial after the heroes of Olympus? Uh, that is a, that is probably 
I'm just going based off of uh, consecutive order, what exactly comes after each and every series. So if Apollo's trial comes after Heroes Olympus, then I probably will be doing that. Or if Magnus Chase comes after, then I'll probably be doing that too. It, do- it doesn't mean that I won't be covering Apollo's trial, but I will definitely be doing it at some point. Whether that may be the next series or the series after, we don't know. But I'll st- I'm definitely going to do it. Uh, my favorite book... I'd probably have to say The Lost Hero. That's probably when there are quite a few scenes that I did enjoy watching, or sorry, reading, um, when I was going through the book. And I think the addition of Leo and the little squabble between Leo, Piper, and Jason, you know, throughout the entire book is just hilarious. I think I just, in in these books that are so serious and so dark at times, Having that little bit of humor is what really kind of, you know, kind of helps the plot, kind of helps the entirety of the book. So, yeah. Um, What are my favorite quotes? Uh, So, let's do first Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Um, I probably have to say... Hmm. Oh, I probably have to say the quote that families are messy. I think that that specific line is what something that is true in very in a lot of regards and that it it captures what a family is it's complicated a family can be complicated a family has their own has their situations a family has this and this and this it they, they it can be messy and i think that it's really true and it's valid in the real real world as well and then Heroes of Olympus, I'd probably say it's when Bacchus messes up Jason Grace's name when he's like, ah, yes, John Green, Jason Grace, whatever. I just think that, again, I think that's probably one of the reasons why he's just one of my favorite. I think the fact that he's just messing up their names for the heck of it, I think that's just really funny, uh, just just to me, I, because the demigods are just so annoyed that he keeps messing up their names, but, you know, as long as they're distracted. And then, favorite chapter. Ooh, that's a hard one. I'd probably say I don't think I have one so far. I genuinely, I think all of the chapters have such strong meaning to them and just have their own impact in a different way that I don't think I can really choose one. Not yet, at least. Um, Next one. What, if I could be one of the big three gods, which is Poseidon, Zeus, and Hades. Um, let's see. I'd probably choose Zeus, not because of how powerful he is, but the entire concept of aviation and the sky and flight is what he controls. And I honestly, I think that those concepts pique my interest more than being able to control the ocean or the underworld, which are pretty cool. Don't get me wrong, but I think being able to control the sky is something that I would be more interested in instead. Um, Least favorite next one uh least favorite god or goddess well this is a good this this is this is probably a tie between Gaia and Hera in all honesty obviously Gaia is just downright evil she's I don't know what her motives are I don't know what she does what joy she gets from tormenting demigods but yeah probably Gaia is my least 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 one and then Hera I think that I think 
sometimes Hera's intentions are not ill, but the actions she does for those intentions are what looks really messed up. Like, making Percy and Jason forget all of their memories and having the mist do all kinds of stuff to their friends, that was just plain downright, just, that wasn't right. So I think that sometimes when Hera tries to solve a quest or tries to solve an impending doom, she doesn't go about it the right way, which is why she doesn't beat Gaia, but she still does it in the wrong way. So that's sometimes just, you know, just annoying in general. But yeah, I definitely say Gaia beats them all though. Um, who would I want to be my godly parent? So I believe I said this in a previous episode, but I got Athena and Poseidon as my godly parents due to a glitch or something in when I took the quiz. But in all honesty, I think I probably want someone like maybe Hephaestus. Hephaestus would be pretty nice. I think the fact that you would be able to engineer stuff and construct stuff would be pretty cool. Or Zeus. Flying is pretty cool. I think I really enjoy being able to just float midair and just, yeah, freak freak everyone out. It, that would be funny. Um, this one, beans on toast. I've never had it. Uh, I know there's some mixed opinions on that, but I've never had it before. So I don't think I... My opinion stays neutral on that, probably. Um, if I could be any of the seven demigods... Uh, that's the next question. Uh, choose between the seven demigods. I would probably have to choose... Probably Leo. Because I do enjoy... More than being able to fly, I'd probably like being able to have fire powers as well as having the intellect to make um, any machine that I could. I think that would be really, really helpful in any situation whatsoever. So, yeah. Um, the next one is what made you do book read book this type of podcasting? Well, um, I saw some other podcasts and I thought that it was really cool how they were doing this kind of thing where, uh, they were reading the books based on, uh, for the first time and they didn't know what exactly was going to happen. And I thought that that was pretty cool because I didn't read the Percy Jackson books I, I, I'm more of a late bloomer, I guess, compared to everyone else, because I didn't, this is my first time reading the Percy Jackson books, and this is the first time that I'm actually, you know, looking through them, seeing what's happening, and just, I think that that's what really pushed me into doing this type of podcasting, because I was like, oh, I can read these books as well as, you know, being able to share my thoughts on them. I think that would be really cool. So I think that that's what essentially pushed me into getting or starting this type of podcasting um uh the next one is uploads okay so i do see a lot of questions regarding when i'm uploading and why i don't upload more often um the reason is because uh i do have um some work outside of uh this podcasting that kind of takes up um, a lot of my time, and unfortunately, because of that, it, I'm, I'm not available, or I'm not able to record, um, you know, every, more than once, uh, a week, I will try my best to maybe try upload more than once if I do ever get any breaks, or something like that, but 
Yeah, I think that is just really hard for me to be able to upload twice a week because of all the stuff that um, that I'm doing due to personal reasons. But I still hope that I'm providing enough content um, for you guys to be able to enjoy. I know you guys, you know, it takes a lot to wait one week just for another episode. And I truly do thank you all for just waiting for waiting one week. I mean, that takes a lot of patience. That takes a lot of time. Uh, to be able to wait one week for another episode but I really do appreciate all of you guys and all the feedback that you guys are giving me and I'm trying to improve myself every day and I am sorry that I aren't and that I'm not able to upload more than once a week but unfortunately the the circumstances force me to to only upload once a week but if I ever do have the opportunity to upload more than once a week I will gladly do so so yeah uh, moving on to the next one, based on the seven demigod powers, which is storm, fire, water, wisdom, creating diamonds or gold, uh, charm speak, or shape-shifting animals, which one should I choose? Um, probably other than Leo's ability of just having fire and uh, having the ability to just create, just engineer stuff, I think I'd probably do shape-shift. I think that's pretty cool the fact that i can in fact instead of being you know i can just literally fly be a bird or just randomly be an like an elephant and just stomp the heck out of the monsters i think that it would be really cool i think that genuinely i think it would be either leo or frank they both would be a tie for me in which demigod i would want to be but yeah that is an end to all of the questions if i have missed your question um do please let me know um or it's potentially because um i am a bit uncomfortable with asking with answering that question if it does um seem a little bit too personal um but thank you guys for all the questions that you're given i do have a really great time enjoying and asking these answering these questions so keep those questions rolling and keep those shout outs rolling and i'll try my best to do all of them so until next, so next week we're gonna continue this uh, entire fiasco for Annabeth and Percy and see how well their mental sanity is holding up, but if they have any left. But yeah, I hope you guys have a great rest of the week, and until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom. <laughs>